Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Do you want to talk about how to use relationships, but like not hang someone over a cliff or like, you know, have them threaten to leave like other ways that we could do it that are like non-stressful on the relationship? Wait, that's a thing that exists? Oh, please. You know better than that. And welcome to another fine episode of Panda's Talking Games. I am one of your hosts, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. And we're going to do a little bit of housekeeping before we get into the topic for tonight. So I just want to let you guys know that um, you'll be listening to this uh, when it drops on the uh, 12th of July. But we here at Pandas are taking a two-week summer hiatus for uh, relaxing and kind of unwinding. And so we'll be off the air um, the following two weeks. So your episodes for the the week of the 19th, the week of the 26th, those will not be in your feed. So do not panic. We're not going anywhere. We just took a little vacation. We will return with a new episode on the week of August 2nd. Mm -hmm. Did I do that correctly? I think so. I'm hoping you're looking at a calendar because I'm not. I am looking at a calendar. Cool. Then I believe you. (laughs) I said all Mondays. Yeah, yeah, I believe our show drops on Mondays, It definitely does, yes. Okay. So then I am correct. We are recording (laughs) this on the 5th of July. Yes. Which means that it will drop on the 12th of July. Correct. Which means that when we don't record on the 12th and the 19th, there will not be episodes on the week of the 19th and the 26th. Correct. Ergo, (laughs) when we record again on the 26th, there'll be an episode on the 2nd. Correct. Yes. Huzzah. I have Huzzah. understood I have understood <laughs> our recording and drop schedule correctly. Well okay. Done. So that's our little bit of housekeeping. Uh, don't mind us. Everything's okay. It's just summertime. And um, you know, sometimes uh, we just unplug and recharge. And there's and so, lots of stuff with kids and stuff, cause summer. Exactly. So we're just gonna <laughs> we're gonna chill for two weeks. There's we'll be back stuff. in August. Um and, uh, and then we'll be back with a brand new topic. In the meantime, don't stop sending us ideas. Um, we are always, um, we'll talk about it at the end of the show, but we are always in support of getting new ideas for shows. Which brings us to an idea that wound up in our, um, uh, what you call it? Wound Inbox. up in our mailbox? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, we're here to address it. So why don't you um, tell us what our topic was? Sure. So this was an email from Paul who said, and this is going to be a little bit long because I'm going to read you the whole thing. So buckle up. Uh, Paul said, hi, Senda and Phil. A while back, the amazing Judd Carlman of Daydreaming About Dragons talked about a game of Burning Wheel he ran where a player chose to be married but didn't make the relationship with their spouse one of their beliefs. In Burning Wheel, beliefs are meant to be challenged, so the fact that this wasn't a belief meant that it could be something else. The downtime interactions with the character's spouse became a way for the character to recharge, reset, and process the events happening in the rest of the game. The classic adversarial GM-era take was that players should not fill out relationship boxes on their character sheets. It was just asking the GM to mess with you. Not fridging your players, characters, NPC relatives, friends, or lovers as entry-level entry-level stakes. Show me how you use player relationships in ways other than stressing them to move the plot forward. Thanks for the podcast and game on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the thanks for the email. Um, I'm you know I'm excited. Burning Wheel is a game that um, I have always looked at but never played. But I understand the game, so I understand the context of uh, of of tonight's topic. So yeah, we want to talk about relationships, and you know we are you know from past episodes, we are huge fans of having relationships in games, right? We are uh, definitely against lone wolf characters. Like our characters are always in relationships. And um, I know for you, the messier the relationship, the better. It's true. I I usually use relationships with my characters um, as ways to create um, pressure systems 
to like cause them to react in different ways because they have to take action to protect that relationship or that other character. Um, But uh, that doesn't mean fridging, just to be clear, because as Paul said, entry level stakes. <laughs> yeah, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about those uh, that term in a moment, uh, fridging. But yeah, I, like we are definitely fans of it. But we're going to um, we're going to talk to Paul's topic. We could do a whole topic on how to properly place pressure and stress relationships, and we may just do a future topic, especially if you guys are interested in it. If you are, drop us a line in the usual contact spaces and let us know. But let's define a few things to kind of set up our topic of non-stressed relationships. So first of all, a relationship is a connection between two people, right? So um, this relationship could be romantic, right? So this could be two partners, spouses, lovers, those kinds of things. It could be platonic, Um, so it could just be like, you know, two good friends, rivals. Um, it could also be, um, familial, right? So it could be brother and sister, uh, cousins, those kinds of things, right? We have different, there are many different types of relationships in games. Uh, but, but ultimately when we get down to it, a relationship is just a connection between two people. Yes. Okay. And then that relationship will have some sort of tone and theme to it and all of those things, right? Are they bitter are they bitter rivals? Are they best friends? Are they collaborators? Are they lovers? Are they former lovers? Right? Like the the nature of their relationship will also tell us something about how their how this connection is formed between them and how they act uh, you know, in regards to it. Yeah. Stressed relationships are when a an issue creates a strain or tension onto the relationship, right? So it's fine if you're um, if you're rivals, um, you can have a rivalry that's not stressed. But let's say that a single position opens up um, in you know your uh, university for a tenure track position that you're both up for, right? Now these rivals may be strained. Because they're both now, um, they're both now um, stressing to get into that position ahead of the other one, right? Or maybe it's two researchers, one you know, both of them trying to get the same breakthrough before the other. Um, if it's lovers, maybe it's you know the discovery that one lover um, has a uh, secret gambling habit, has gambled away a bunch of money that now has created a financial tension over this relationship. Um, and the thing with stressed, I've run yes. that game. Sorry. Sure. No, no. Um, um, I didn't play it. I ran it. Carry on. The thing with stress. Yeah. And um, so the thing with stress is it requires action to fix. Um, and um, you know, it just it requires like you you're going to have to do something to bring the relationship from stress to non-stressed. Yeah. Okay, and then the last term is the one that you mentioned before, which is fridged. Um, this is um, this is a term that has a um, absolute negative connotation to it. Um, it comes from a Green Lantern comic um, where um, the Green Lantern's girlfriend was killed and stuffed inside a fridge um, as a way to make him angry. Um, it was basically to show off the bad guy being bad kind of thing. Um, but the term fridged has now just be kind of kind of become a general term, um, meaning the lazy practice of killing off a minor character to motivate or torture the main character. Yeah. Right. And it is a negative connotation and it is lazy. Right. Yep. So, um, you know, just, you know, like, oh, you have an uncle. Cool. I killed him. Now you hate the goblins. Right. Like you totally just fridged to the uncle. Yes. Um, although. I will say in comic books and in other places, fridged has often been referenced to women um, who in comic book writing in the past have gotten the short end of the straw as women, minor characters have all sorts of terrible things happen to them to motivate superheroes. It's um, pretty misogynistic and, you know, pretty old fashioned and hopefully a thing that's um, hopefully a thing that's moving to the past in your RPGs fridged, regardless of gender is just a lazy way to create um, motivation or anger towards something by just killing something that the players like. Yep. Right. And it is kind of lazy because, you know, one, if a character liked something and invested in it, killing it has taken that away from them. Yeah. Especially if it's the kind of situation that fridging is, which is like, they're not there. 
and then they come home and then their wife is like you know dead on the floor or whatever right like you didn't give them an opportunity to react to interfere to save uh, an npc that they obviously created specifically to care about you know all of that no exactly (laughs) all right so cool so we're defining those things because we now need to um because typically when we when people talk about relationships um fridged or stressed is kind of how you use a relationship to motivate a character right so you you apply some stress to a relationship this causes the character to have to um, do something in order to fix that relationship you fridge someone again that's really lazy but obviously people have done this in order to motivate a character but there must be other reasons why it would be fun uh, to have a relationship, right? Like there has to be other things mm-hmm. that you can do with a relationship other than just like put it under stress and then try to go fix it. Like there are like there are things and, and I'm I'm saying there must be other things. There are other things you can do. We are going to explore them tonight. And we're actually going to look at it in two different facets. Um, we're going to talk about narratively. So talking about how you can do this in a story. Uh, or, you know, in the fabric, the narrative fabric of your game. And then we're going to talk about it mechanically, um, which I think mechanically is probably even more interesting. Like narrative, like you can come up, well, we've come up with a couple of good ways to use some relationships. But I think mechanically, and we'll pull some examples from some games where um, some games have done some really smart things with relationships. And then having done all that, we'll show you how to kind of work that into your own games if you're not playing the games that we're that we highlight as examples but we'll show you how to kind of tease that together yeah Sound cool? yeah it does um i will just say as a, a kicker to the mechanical part um the reason that we're bringing going to get to the games that we're going to get to in the mechanical section what makes them really interesting is most of the time we have mechanics about specifically putting pressure on relationships right so sure. what's different about these is that say specifically are not putting pressure on a relationship to stress or motivate it right because like i don't and don't get me wrong because stress and pressure relationship stuff in games is some of my favorites (laughs) oh yeah yeah no and 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 it has an absolute place in gaming yeah and it is a totally valid tool to use fridging is not but stress stressing relationship Stressing relationships and using them as pressure points to make difficult decisions happen, I think is really interesting. Um, But it's also really interesting to mechanically approach how you look at non-stressed relationships, right? Anyway, um, let's start with um, the narrative ways that we were chatting about um, to use NPCs in your stories that are non-stressed relationships or relationships that don't automatically develop stress by the fact of being in the story, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the first one is the mission giver. So like whatever the relationship that they have to the character, this is one of the things that they can do during the story that helps move the plot forward and gives them a purpose in the story to keep coming back up and interacting with everybody that does not have to do with pressure or stress in the relationship, right? So we say mission giver and that might mean, you know, the, the, the chief like the commander of the knights unit that you are in, but it could also mean um, your wife because she, you know, goes to the market and overhears everything and comes back and tells you about a really good hit to go, you know, break into tonight, you know, whatever it is, depends on the game type. Right. Um, But so it can be whatever that relationship is. It could be a familial, it could be like, you know, Romantic could yeah. be any of those things, but they can be the person who keeps coming back in the game because they are finding and giving you missions in whatever capacity. Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, the mission giver is a role that kind of initiates a new story, right? So, like, you you know, if you're playing a game that has a lot of mission-based, um, like a core loop that's more mission-based setting uh, situation. Let's yeah, do yeah. situation, not core loop. Sure. If your game has a situation that's basically that's more mission based, as in your group of elite characters go on missions to do X, Y, and Z, um, then yeah, having like a person, a relationship with someone who essentially points you in the direction of those missions um, is a is a great relationship because one, it's going to happen frequently. Yep. Um, two. It is, um, you can use it as a tool to set the tone of an upcoming game. So uh, how the past mission went 
is going to influence their relationship with you. And um, what the current mission is might also have an impact on how, you know, you interact with them. Um, you know, like if you are, you know, the elite hotshot team that has never failed a mission, um, that tone of relationship is very different than the ragtag group that, you know, needs a win. Otherwise, they're getting disbanded. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. <laughs> that, like it, it flavors that um, it, it flavors that and having the relationship um, where you have the mission giver um, like gives you something to do. I, I've been binging. um I've been binging the NBC TV show, The Blacklist, and the relationship between Raymond Reddington and Elizabeth Keene. Like, in many cases, Reddington is the mission giver where he gives up a Blacklist name to Keene, and then Keene and the rest of the FBI unit then goes and, like, investigates and hunts down this purpose. Often, this person, often, because Raymond Reddington has another plan, and having this person, like, captured, found, eliminated, or whatever plays into that and it helps them but um it's still the mission giver and it's still a relationship that exists between these two characters and a pretty complicated one as the season goes on cool uh, i will take your word for it because i haven't oh, it's seen a, the show oh it's a good show i like it <laughs> cool i like it it's good all right. The next one on the list is uh, is Safe Harbor. So Safe Harbor is the kind of character that you go to when you need a safe place, whether that's like um, to just process what just happened in the game, if something intense or traumatic or bad or even good, whatever it was, happened in the game. It might be someone that you go to talk to about that. Um in Avengers 2, this is Hawkeye's wife. Oh yeah, it is. Right? Like after after the um after the botched um after the botched mission where Hulk goes berserk and Iron Man has to put him down and they're on the run, right? They're laying low. They need a place to regroup, collect themselves, like everything you said, process what happened. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, if we were playing in a role-playing game, this is where like the character who's playing Hawkeye would be like, wait, I know exactly where we're going yep. and set the coordinates to fly to their farm. Right. Take me home. <laughs> right. Um, and the thing that, and the thing that we know about the safe Harbor is just that, right. It is a, um, this relationship has the ability to take the players out of the action. Yeah. Um, and give them time to recover, recoup, think process, all of those things. Um, this could be, um, this could be a um, academy friend who runs an asteroid refueling station on an a and a on a lone asteroid, right? That you can just pop into. Gosh, it's what it's what it's what uh, it's it's. Oh my god! Oh wow! Words this help. There's a microphone in front of my face, right? It's what they wanted cloud city to be but it didn't turn out that way yeah i mean that's the you know that's the act two to act three twist right yeah, so the, the twist is when it doesn't but that's when you put stress on the relationship because it isn't actually that anymore so we have to talk exactly. about act one where it is that yeah i mean heading from act one into act two as as you know as they are um looking for a place to go you know the land you know lando yes lando system the not a lando system system yeah. It's a man. Um, yeah. So Safe Harbor is definitely a function, a function slash feature that a, um, that a character, like a relationship that your character has can provide. Um, and it's a pretty useful one because characters are often embroiled in all sorts of stuff, right? They, 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 they show up, they can show up injured, equipment damaged, low on spells, um, with a bunch of clues, but haven't had the time or safety to process like what the clues mean, like all of those things. And so having a relationship that provides a safe harbor is like a huge benefit to the characters. It is. And it's a place that they will go back to again. So, uh, part of the reason that you want your NPC to play some specific role and have a purpose in your game is so that your characters will have a reason to go back and talk to them or a reason to show up on their doorstep, right? So being a safe harbor is a good reason because they will show up there. There will be a moment sometime. 100%. Yeah, where they just, they have to have that space. Um, so that's, that is what that is about. Um, 
The last one that we came up with was an intelligence source. Um, so that would be, you know, somebody who actually has more information about what's going on and can share it with people. And <laughs> I used to play a game in which this person was known as the obvious hint man, and he was the guy who would tell us what we had missed. But, you know, you can do that with more subtlety and more relationship. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But again, so this can be anybody, but it is a person that they can go back to um, who will actually be able to give them more information. And sometimes that ends up being like a, a professional relationship, but not always, right? Yeah, I mean, it could be, you know, your uh, in your cyberpunk game, it could be the... Um it could be the guy who works behind the bar, but like was a former runner connected, you know, he's connected into what's, you know, into the scene and has all sorts of info on corporations and other runners and, and things like past jobs and things like that. Well, and honestly, let's make it more interesting. He works behind the bar, so he picks up even more information because people still chat with him about it, but he's also yep. your boyfriend. Sure. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Well, you have to have a relationship with him, right? right? So, you, you know... <laughs> So, and and I'll even abstract it one more. I initially, we wrote this down as intelligence source, but let's just say source, because there are other things besides intel information that are important to characters. So, this source could um, provide intelligence. This source could provide equipment. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. So, this could be, you know, an alchemist who, you know, the players have a relationship with who's able to provide them healing potions. Mm-hmm. Um, may be super important when they're low level. Right, right? or they to, don't know. have a healer in the group. Yeah, you know, this is a group that, like, you know, the character's brother um, is in mage school, but, you know, at this point can only do, like, you know, can only do alchemy stuff. Mm. And so, like, you know, whips them up some, you know, some healing potions on the side. Yeah. Right, for them to take with them on their adventures. Yeah, and then um, wants to hear about it when they get back. Did it work, and how much did it heal you? Yeah. And what did it taste like? And did Were it there blow any anything side up? Effects? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So um, you can like these are just examples, right? And and this is by no means a, a a finite list of things you can do, but these are just ideas of ways that you could use a relationship without stress. You don't have to stress any of those no. for the character to have um, good interactions, and in the terms of the story, in terms of getting something. Um, in terms of the story that would help them, right? The mission giver gets them started on on jobs. Um, the safe harbor gives them a place to recover um, in, you know, in between uh, beats of action. The, in, the source provides them things that they are missing in order to advance the story forward, be it equipment, intelligence, whatever, those kinds of things, right? So those are different ways to have relationships that actually provide something in the story that it's of value, um, that doesn't require the relationship to be under any stress. Could you stress these relationships? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Should you stress these relationships at some point in the game? Possibly. Yeah. Depending depends. on what the focus of the game is and depending on where the, where the player wants to go story-wise, yes, you could put stress on any one of those um, and make it and also make it an interesting story, but you don't have to. Yeah, the interesting thing about all three of these ones that we bring up is I think there are plenty of games that have, you know, one or more of these in them. They just aren't necessarily an NPC that also has a strong relationship to the player characters. Um, so it can be, you know, your, your, your intelligence source or just your source might just be the random dude, um, you know, in a shop somewhere and like you don't have a relationship with them. But it's more interesting... Um, to bring them back again and again when there is a relationship there, right? So a yeah. lot of this is consider some of the roles that NPCs continuously play in your games and then see if you can make that someone who's actually more tightly tied into your group of player characters just so that that relationship plays out, um, not necessarily in a stressful way, but that they keep getting to interact with that character. So I'll even tack on to that, that um, you can help that along by using good leading questions. Yeah, <laughs> right. So like, oh, you have an intelligence source. Um, tell me like, tell me who this person was to you when you guys were both in the academy together. Yeah. Right. Like that then creates a relationship right there yep. with just that leading question. So yep. absolutely. Definitely ways to do that. All right, cool. We're going to now turn our focus on to the mechanical. 
Yes. Which is games that have taken the idea of relationships and not only has a narrative component of like what the relationship is, but actually apply mechanics from the game to um, using the relationship within the game. Yes. All right. So I'm going to lead off. I'll have you do this. We'll, we'll, we'll go back and forth. I'll do the first one and the third one. You do the second one. Okay. I Sounds think good. I think based on since I played both the games on the first and the third. Yes. <laughs> okay. So uh, you played the other one, but I think you played it a little looser than I did. Yeah, um, I was going to tell you once you tell the story, I'm going to tell you the story of how I broke it. <laughs> yes. So the uh, mechanic that I'll mention is from Tales from the Loop or Things from the Flood. Those are essentially the same game, um, and that is the anchor character. So the anchor character is an NPC that you have a relationship with that the character goes to in order to clear their conditions. So throughout the course of the game, the character um, acquires conditions. Conditions actually make it harder for the character to achieve things. Um, And too many conditions in Things from the Flood will kill you. In Tales from the Loop, it'll just like knock you out. But the way you get rid of them is that you go to your anchor and you have a scene with them an anchor scene where you actually um, have a moment in that relationship. And then in doing so, you then get to clear your conditions, refresh your character and and go. And so a lot of times in the games I played, if, if it was a particularly long mystery, we would wind up with these anchor scenes kind of mid game where the players would clear a few conditions before they would head into the climax. Or if it was a relatively short mystery, we would do the anchor scenes at the end, the kids having been kind of worn down and tired from, you know, uh, solving some mystery or stopping something from happening. And then, you know, we would go around the table and do the anchor scenes where the characters would then get to kind of clear their conditions by having those moments. Um, And those were... um, So mechanically, right, this is... um, It provides aid, right? It essentially, quote, heals the character Mm -hmm. for having the scene. From a story perspective, these were fantastic scenes in the game. Like, they were they were both um, at times funny, at times very poignant and serious, like very dramatic. Like they it it really varied, and and some of them varied on the relationships that the characters had. Like our rocker, his um, anchor was the guy who owned the mu- the burned out ex musician who owned the um, the music store in town. So he like used to tour with rock bands. Now he sells like clarinets to like to elementary school kids. Um, and his name was Silas and he was kind of like, you know, a little bit of a druggy, burnt out kind of thing. And, um, he never understood anything that the rocker said correctly. Like he always misinterpreted it, um, in a funny way. Um, but it would let Bob's character kind of unload everything that happened. And then the guy would be like, oh, that's crazy. That's capitalism for you. Right. And like, and then he just like, you know, he'd give some like weird off the wall advice often kind of inappropriate to Bob's age, like about girls and things like that. And then like on their way. Um, but it was really fun. And, um, you know, there was, you know, it it just, it turned out to be a really great tool in the game because the way the game works is like you rack up conditions throughout play and then you have to have the scene to get rid of them. So it, 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 mechanically it's helpful and then two from kind of a situation and story beat perspective um these scenes get like pulled into the game because you need them to move on super smart yeah very good we uh we managed to follow those rules for a little bit (laughs) (laughs) i would like to say that i think you played a game called tales from the loop I don't think you played Tales from the Loop. I think you're probably right. We used the D6s and the skills, and I had chewing gum. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think you've you kind of departed a lot from at some the rest point, of the rules. We really, which is, we really started on the rules, and then at some point, we just we did the thing, which is what happens with my group, and we just like hit some sort of like ramp, and then... Which I'm going to say is comical because that game doesn't actually have a lot of rules. So the fact that you jettisoned like the like one of like the seven rules in the game is actually like like 
it's pretty telling for your group and its, it's ability to telling. adhere to any. Oh, but it was really good because if I remember correctly, and I could be misremembering, I'm pretty sure that my anchor person was my dad. And um, but I could I, I could be misremembering that. So maybe we didn't break it quite this much. But so forgive me if you're listening to this, Quincy. Maybe you remember better than I do. Um, I think it was my dad. So the thing is that somewhere about three quarters of the way through the game, it turned out that he was kind of evil. So I stopped yeah, which, talking which actually, to him. So that actually breaks, <laughs> I think, one of the rules, which is like your anchor can never, your anchor is always a safe harbor for your character. Right. And he wasn't. <laughs> yeah. You should have actually went and got another anchor. Like, I don't think I did. But I don't, but we also left town at that point. So it wasn't like anybody was talking to their anchors anymore. Right. I, that only there begs were, the question, did you ever clear any conditions? Did you? No, we just got to the end of the game because then we just got through the climax and then like there were dinosaurs coming out of the road like and uh, all right, I, we're going to move on to the next, uh, <laughs> we'll move on to the next game before we get another replay. Anyway, yep, sorry, sorry. Anyway, rules. Oh, dear. Um yeah, so um, so one of the other ways that you can use a relationship mechanically uh, in a positive, non-stressed way, right, is as an aspect in Fate. Um, so if you write an NPC into one of your aspects, um, for example, like my partner is my rock, right? Then you've written in something that is both true in the story and also mechanically something that you can derive benefit from. Right. So you can use like you could decide to spend a fate point and get a plus two because your partner is present and cheering you on or whatever in whatever situation you're in um, and be able to get that plus two or that reroll because they're there and they're your rock. Right. So like mechanically, you can engage that because it is true narratively, um, which is one of those things that I love. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they don't even have to be there, right? Like, right, as, as long, long as you, as you can, can just... engage some way. Yep. It was just the easiest. The easiest example was if they're standing over my shoulder, then they're there for me to rely on, right? Yeah. Um, but and yeah. the thing is, the second you, um, the second you create it as an aspect, one, the partner is now an NPC in the story. Yep. Like that just happened because you put it into the aspect. You wrote it down. Um, yep. And then. The, my partner is my rock. You have defined the relationship, which now also remains true and stays true unless you change the aspect. Yeah. So that's not going to shift even if you end up in a difficult situation unless you, the player, change it. Yeah, which isn't, you know, then there are mechanisms where characters can actually change their aspects and things like that. Um, but yeah, it, it is, um, it's cool because it, it is, it gets to be both narrative and, um, and mechanically true, which is always the thing about aspects and fate. Yeah, which is very good. Anyway, all right. My last example for this one is um, going to be from a game. It's a slightly less. It's a slightly less uh, well-known game called Houses of the Blooded. Um, but I really thought this was actually a kind of fun. Um, this was kind of a fun mechanic uh, in Houses of the Blooded. Uh, if you're not familiar with the game, you um, it's kind of like the anti D and D. Like you play this mm -hmm. noble, and um, you kind of like exist with like. Um, political intrigue and and going to parties and kind of things like that like you don't fight in dungeons or anything so like that you, it's like a comedy of manners essentially uh no it's uh it's very dramatic okay. um you know there's romance and backstabbing i probably actually would like the game I know, quite a bit I'm really interested so far <laughs> carry um, on i mean i'll just tell you as a sidebar like one of the really interesting things is like colors convey messages so, like, you have to be, like, super careful. Like, if you, I believe if you wear red, um, it means that you are either in love or seeking vengeance. Um, and I believe in, in, that, in, in that species language, there is only the inflection of a syllable that is the difference between being in love and seeking vengeance. Um, so, anyway, wow. it's a thing. <laughs> but the other part of so part of the game is that like each season you like you go to like you know various social events and kind of socially maneuvering you know against each other um and against npcs and things like that and then um the other things you do is you actually build your kingdom so you have like your own land and there are these things called season actions where you like you, know, you can raise an army, you can build, you know, uh, you can build additions like onto your like onto your castle, all of those things. 
if your character has a spouse, um, if your character has a spouse, the spouse gets their own season action and has access to any season action that you have access to. So basically each season, if you have a spouse, you get what I, whatever it, I'm just going to say two because I don't remember what the actual number is and people who've played the game, I don't want them jumping all over me, but let's just say that each, each season you got an action. If you have a spouse, they also get an action. So now like you get a bigger benefit in the game because, um, you have this relationship and just because you're married does not actually necessarily mean you are in love. Um, you could be deeply loved and devoted to each other. It could have been a very political relationship that you like the two of you have banded together to kind of like move forward up the social ladder, but are having your own romances and stuff on the sides. Um, Oh, it's a game, all right. Like you probably would like it. It's actually a pretty. Um, yeah. It's actually a pretty rules-like game, and and more narrative. We'll talk about it at some point. Sure, sure. You might, you might dig it. Yeah. Um, but it is. Um, but the mechanical advantage for having a spouse, so having, in this case, a very specific relationship, right? A a you know a a a relationship that involves um, marriage, is that your um, you get this mechanical bonus during the season actions where your spouse can actually do stuff um, on behalf of, you know, you you and your kingdom, which is pretty neat. Um, Sounds like it would uh, be a pretty big deal because it's the season actions, right? Like it's the- it, it, is, it is a pretty big deal. You actually can, like, advance your kingdom faster if you have a spouse. So there is an um, incentive in getting a spouse in the game or starting with one because you want those additional actions. Um, and then, yeah, it's another NPC that the GM can, you know, use as well. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. So those are some examples of how to do it in a game. What if you're playing a game where you don't have those things, but you might want to have some mechanical benefits, right? So we're all for, you know, making up some rules here. Um, and I kind of brainstormed a few ideas that, um, kind of are inspired by the examples that we gave above. Um, do you want to just kind of, uh, do you want me just to pick, do you want me to just jump on the first one and then you take one or sure, go for it. Okay. So the first one I did was like a healing bonus recovery bonus, right? So like when you go to this person's, like when you go to this person, this so being be it there essentially inspired by the safe Harbor type person. Yeah. It's a safe Harbor plus it's, um, what is it? It's safe harbor plus it's provides aid. Sure. Right? So it's kind of like the anchor. So like when you go to this character, you get some sort of healing slash recovery bonus. So like maybe in like a DCC game, when you go to this person, like you you gain like an extra hit die of, um, of you know, recovery dice. Um, or if it's a Call of Cthulhu game, um, you know, I don't know how sacrilegious this is but maybe you gain like back a point of sanity um or maybe like you know luck i think is a more fluid um i think sanity is a one direction like it just goes down luck yeah uh luck might be a thing right so in some way like in some way going to see them um helps you recover so like in whatever terms recover is in your game. So if it's if it's a healing check, then it's like a bonus to your healing check. If it's like you roll dice to get back hit points, then like it's a plus or an extra die to that roll, something like that. But like you could hack that in to be a kind of thing where it's like when I go see this person or when we all go see this person, like we all heal up a little quicker or they have a really cool um, dry dock. And so when we bring our starship there, uh, we get a bonus to our role to make repairs on our starship. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yep. So that, that, that is, that is definitely one, uh, one way you could hack this into your game. What's, what's another way? Um, you can basically gain some sort of inspiration or token, right? So we say inspiration being sort of like maybe you get to roll with advantage on something that involves this, right? Um, or you get a plus two, depending on what, what, what edition you're playing. Um, or maybe you, um, you know, you get a Benny um, on taking an action. 
um, involved with stuff, whatever, whatever it is. So because you saw them, you have some kind of advantage that pertains to that relationship or maybe the information or the equipment that they gave you if they're a source, right? Um, then, uh, you know, you gain some mechanical benefit from having had that interaction with them because now you have more stuff or more information or you've been encouraged, you know, because they're important to you, whatever it is. Yeah. And the idea here is that if your game has a currency, right? So fifth edition has the inspiration points. You said Benny from Savage World. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you could even you could get a fate do this point. with fate points or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if your game has a currency, then this relationship provides a currency point, like whatever yeah. that is. Um, you know, just the, the nature of the relationship or whatever gives you. Like when you engage in a scene with this relationship, you get, you know, this token you get that you can then thing. go forth and do more heroic things, right? So the idea being is that like you go and see your beloved um, and in talking to them and spending time and walking through the garden with them, um, you are, you know, your fears are resolved. You are more committed and uh, you're swashbuckling. You get an extra Benny for more like heroic swashbuckling. More buckling of your swash. Yes. You are literally inspired. Maybe you go see your mentor um, who, you know, ran the sword fighting school and you run through Absolutely. some stuff and polish up your moves and you're feeling more confident, you know. Yeah. I mean, it could be very literal. Like you said, it could be very abstract, like just, you know, going and spending time with your beloved inspires you to do, you know, great feats um, of, you know, of daring and things like that. Daring do, right? Um, So it could be very concrete, could be very, um, could be very literal, could be very abstract. doesn't matter. The idea is that it feeds into that token economy. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the last one? Uh, the last one is you're going to get some sort of bonus, right, for being in a relationship, like a saving throw bonus. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, being in this relationship gives you um, greater will, so your will save goes up. Um, or once a game, you get a plus two to any one of your saves as long as, like, you um, have spent some time with, the, you know, your... Um, previously spent time with the person in that relationship. So, you know, maybe it's a, um, maybe it's a reflex save because you spent time with your fighting master. Sure. Yeah. Right. Like, like, you know, when you go and have, like you go spend an afternoon with your fighting master, you guys do some sparring, some talking, whatever you get this like plus two bonus. So like next time, you know, something, you know, like a fireball rolls your way. You kind of remember this cool role that you're, you know, that your mentor taught you and you you roll out and Mm. you're, you know, half damage, quarter damage, whatever, safe. Um, You know, maybe spending time, um, you know, making love to your partner, you know, gives you extra willpower. So that is like, you know, the mind flares trying to drill through your mind. You're like, no, no, you know, I cannot fall prey to this. You know, my love for my spouse, you know, you know, I cannot like I cannot lose them by losing myself. And like you dig down and find that willpower to push the mind flare out kind of thing. Right. I'm just imagining these situations and enjoying him. Carry on. (laughs) No, no, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. So the idea here is, (laughs) the idea here is like, let's give a bonus to, um, you know, let's give a bonus to something that's going to happen when you're adventuring for time spent in your relationship. Yes. Right? So this isn't healing anything. This is the idea that, like, look, you engaged in this relationship. That was cool. We made some cool drama or had some good acting at the table. But in addition, like, spending time with them also helps you in this way. It bolsters Um, you in a going forward way. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe you spent most of your time talking to your sword master about you know, philosophy, but you still pick up the plus two reflex bonus because you did like some sparring while you were talking about philosophy or you sparred for a little bit. And then, you know, you sat and discussed philosophy while, you know, you, you drank like wine or something afterwards. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's, and, and what that winds up doing is then it creates this kind of loop where if you want the bonus, you're going to engage in the scene, right? Cause that's cool. Yep. And so, um, you know, then what you do is kind of like in, um, kind of like in Tales from the Loop, you're going to have players like before they go off on an adventure wanting to have these scenes 
because they're going to want to pick up that bonus. Yep. Uh, same thing's true with like the inspiration token economy. Like, yeah. I absolutely, if I'm in town, I'm going to definitely go like I'd, woo my lover to pick up a point I'd of inspiration. I definitely want to go pick up a token before I'm leaving town again because I can use that for all kinds of things. Exactly. And also, if you're coming back into town and we're using a dungeon sort of, um, you know, basic plot um structure idea happening here but if you're if you have been out in the uh far reaches of the galaxy where things are pretty rough um then uh and then you're coming back every time you come back if you're going to heal you probably want to go to the place where you can heal better unless there's a really strong reason not to right you're always going to go back to that place after so it's interesting because really um the healing the uh, making healing better in one place usually means people are going to go there after they did a thing and um, giving them a token or inspiration or like a bonus on whatever thing is something people are usually going to do before they go out. So you may consider like how you want that NPC to work a little bit in terms of like, when do you want those scenes to occur in your story? Mm -hmm. Um, Or if you care, right. Or if you want to mix match and have both, right. Also cool. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, there's some just general tips for how to kind of hack in um, some some mechanics for giving benefits of having a relationship that are beyond just story, right? Story's great, but if you actually want to put a, like a little mechanical like you know spin or incentive on it, like you can do that as well with some of the tips that we've given you here. Yeah. So hopefully, I think we've done a good. Uh, I think we've done a good job addressing ways to have relationships that are non-stress that'll do interesting things in games. I think right? so. I think that's what we set out to do. Yeah, that's totally what we set out to do. Sometime, sometime, let us know if you want us to talk about ways to appropriately stress slash use relationships as pressure points without doing yeah, the fridge absolutely. thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, in order for us to get to the closing of the show, we got to first talk about another show on the Mistractive Mark Network. Do you have a show in mind? I sure do. Are you ready? I do. Awesome. Let's do it. Um, So on Bonus Experience, Ray and Monica are two old friends exploring gameplay and design through the lens of diversity while also sharing some of the dumbest humor that gaming has to offer and trying a wide array of sparkling waters. You never really know which ones you're going to get. Just just stick with it. See which one's the best. (laughs) It's pretty funny. Very good. Senda, how do people find us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on the Misdirected Mark forums, which is forums.misdirectedmark.com. You can do what Paul did and drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com, or you can hunt us down on the Tiki Talkies, <laughs> which is just yes. entertaining. Please do. Um, we don't have a show one there, so you have to find us as individual people, but uh, send us a Tiki Talkie. It's fine. Um, yeah, and then once people find us in one of those places, uh, what can they do with that information? Yeah, by all means, uh, send us ideas for shows. Um, we, you know, we talk about this all the time. I'll try to keep it brief, but um, we pride ourselves on not coming up with our own topics because what we're really here for is to help you have more better games. Uh, and the way that we help you have more better games is for you to tell us what's on your mind about gaming. And then we'll just kind of go off and talk about it. And hopefully some of the advice we give, some of the ideas that we present will help you out and produce more better games. So uh, do that. Um, Whether it's a question, whether it's a topic, whether it's something you saw that you just want to hear our thoughts on, it doesn't even matter. Just send it to us in all the ways that Senda said uh, to send it to us. And um, we're pretty adept five years in at making a show out of almost anything. Really? So we can do it. Yeah. So send us your thoughts. We greatly appreciate them. If you like what we're doing here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, please consider supporting our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons get access to the Slack Room for Life. Um, It has been um, my safe haven all through the pandemic. It remains one of my favorite places to still go on a daily basis just to kind of see how everybody's doing and see what everybody's talking about. Um, It's fantastic. Um, In addition to the Slack Room, and our Friday luncheons, right? So if you're in the Slack room, you can certainly, you'll catch on to our um, Friday luncheons that we do with, uh, you know, all of us who are working, still working from home, get together on Fridays and have lunch together. Uh, On Eastern time, it's whatever meal is your time zone. 
but it's Eastern because I'm lunch the one who organizes me. it. Yeah. And it's lunch for me. <laughs> um, and that's very selfish and very Easter, uh, um, East Coast centric. Everyone's whatever. standard time. That's EST. Everyone's standard time. It's my lunchtime and you're coming to join. So bring your breakfast, second breakfast, uh, your five o'clock beer if you're in the UK, whatever it is, just bring it and enjoy some company. Uh, you also get access to the, um, out, you get the after show from the misdirected Mark, which is like literally 15 to 20 minutes of whatever's on our mind when we hit the end of the show. And you get the um, Bamboo Lounge, which is the nonsense that happens after we stop being professional on the mics, <laughs> um, which is going to happen in just mere minutes. Yes, seconds. Um, seconds, yeah. really. So anyway, um, do that. Uh, we um, thank you immensely for backing the Patreon campaign. It is what makes everything possible around here from hosting to launching new shows to all of that stuff. Uh, it is all done because you are supporting the work that we're doing. So we thank you immensely for um, your support. If you are unable to support the Patreon campaign, we totally get it. Um, and if you are supporting the Patreon campaign, thank you again. But there is another thing you can do. We really always need new listeners. Um, and while Senda's going to tell you a way to get complete strangers to listen to the show, honestly, anything you can do to help to get um, people that you know, people you're connected to in social media, whatever, to listen to the show, um, that's fantastic. One of the easiest ones you can do is anytime somebody posts that tweet that's like, hey, what podcast do you listen to in, in role, for role-playing games? Drop our name. Um, one, we'll see it. Um, so if yeah, you put, it if makes you tag us, us. so warm and fuzzy inside. It's sure, but like we'll also happiness. jump into kind of like, we'll also jump into kind of like talk about the show or answer questions well, yes. or anything anyway, right? Yes. So we'll be super helpful, but um, it helps immensely. Like, um, to get individual people listening to the show. Um, you know, we, we joke about it. I think it's, I, I'm, I'm, we joke about it, but I'm also not joking about it. When I say, if you listen to us, you will love us. I hope that's true. I think that's true for a number of people who've popped into the show and then like wound up Stayed. binging the entire catalog. We love you. We love you back. Heroic. <laughs> um, so we love you immensely for all of that. There is another thing you can do that helps strangers find us. Still important, though I argue that helping, like jumping on Twitter and, and, um, you know, dropping our name into a thread of, of shows is even more important. But that there is that one more thing you could do. What is that thing? Well, you could leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Every new review we get really is just like telling a stranger, hey, you should listen to this show, which is great. And they also give us warm, fuzzy feelings in our panda tummies. Um, so we super duper appreciate all of them and everybody who's already left one. Thank you so much. So very, very, very much. Super helpful. Super appreciate it. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Leave us a review. Thank you. Say, Senda, show me what aspect you're going to create for your, uh, fate trek character that's going to make an interesting relationship in our upcoming game. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Bloopy! Ha ha! This time, click with success. <laughs> there we go. Click success. Huzzah! Huzzah! All right. He must make leather mugs at the Renaissance Festival. Huzzah. <laughs> Huzzah. Alrighty. You want to do this? Uh, yeah, yeah. We should do I this. I mean, we have Bamboo Lounge to talk about all sorts of cool all stuff All sorts afterwards. of things. Cool. Okay, We're cool. We're talking about apartments and skirts. Cool. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. 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 All right. I'm lifting this up because you're going to ask me to say the topic, and I'm going to be like, I made the font so small. Why? I hear you. Are you prepared? I am now prepared. Okay. Should, wait, should I read the whole thing? I'm going to read the whole thing. Yeah, go for it. Okay. Bloop. Bloop. Do, 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 do